Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. It's good to be back with you guys this morning. Thanks for uh, allowing myself and Pastor Adrian to swap last weekend. We really want to cast that vision that we are one church in multiple locations, and so it was great to get to worship with our Harrisonburg family, but uh, at the same time, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, So last week, you'll recall, we completed or we finished up our Psalms for Now series, and today we're jumping into a new series called Regret Prevention. Regret Prevention. Now, I know that the word regret can sometimes make us crawl a little bit or sometimes bring specific memories to mind. Maybe it's a single life event. Maybe it's an ongoing reminder of something undone. Uh, If you were to go to the dictionary and try to define regret, you might see something similar to this. It says to feel sad or repentant or disappointed over something that has happened or that has been done, especially a loss or missed opportunity. We know this morning that regret is really no respecter of persons. There's no age, gender, class, or anything that prevents us from having regret. And even as God's people, we are not immune to this. We can have regrets as sons and daughters of God. So our goal in this series is to learn how we can live lives now that will prevent regrets later. You might define the mission of the church this way, is to minimize future regrets. So we want to live lives now that minimize regret in the future. Uh, The next two weeks, we're going to jump into two very, uh, arguably the most common regrets that people have as they get later in life and reflect back. Uh, But today, we want to unpack what we're to do with the regrets we have now. What do we do with the regret that we have now? Because I doubt that there's anyone in the room that doesn't have a single regret. It may be smaller. You might be able to laugh about it now. But regret in the room this morning might be painful. It might be staring you in the face today. It might be so distorting you that it's preventing you from living the life you want to live or that you're called to live in Christ Jesus. So this morning, today, we want to understand what do we do with the regrets we have now. We all have them. They might start with, I wish I would have. Maybe your regret today starts with, I wish I could have. Maybe it's connected to other people. Maybe it's hurts inflicted on others or hurts that you have received from others. Regret seemingly affects us all in different ways. Uh, I found a video this week, and I'd like to share it with you, that uh, really helps us step into this idea of what do we do with our regrets.
afraid, I guess, of failing, maybe. I regret all the time I wasted, not saying yes to things. It's something I've always wanted to do since I was little. Time slipping away, I mean, that's probably the worst feeling in the world, right? loads of friends from different walks of life and it's really hard to keep in touch with everyone. Up until recently, I was homeless. If I hadn't hurt the people that I had, maybe I wouldn't have been. I wanted to do so many things, but I can never seem to find the time. I did all the things that were like plan B. I just never did it. <laughs> Feels, feels like where I want to be. Feels like where I want to go. That it's not my regret anymore. It's hopeful. It means there's possibility. goals today is to understand what we do with our regrets that we have now. But beyond that, beyond understanding what we are to do or how we feel or what we're to say about our regrets, we need to see what Jesus says about our regrets, what he does, how he handles them. Today, our goal is to move forward. Today is our goal is to, to come out of the backwards facing reverse driving mode of living that we may be stuck in. We want a clean slate, don't we? Don't we? Isn't the feeling of a clean slate, a pure black chalkboard, like refreshing? Maybe that's some OCD coming out of me, but it's just so pure, so clean. It's such a fresh start. That's what we are after today in Christ Jesus. So as we turn to the scriptures today, we're going to look at the life of Peter. In the biblical accounts, if anyone had reason to regret, the apostle Peter had his fair share of reasons. He's among the list of biblical men that really uh, come at the top. And uh, you could see David or Moses or Jacob with the most significant regrets. But Peter, no doubt, had regrets. Now, Peter was a kind of a salty fisherman kind of guy. And you, as you read through the gospel accounts, he was very early on uh, following Jesus in his ministry. And we, you can read him. He'll occasionally stick his foot in his mouth just like we do many times. Uh, but Peter was passionate. He was very outgoing. He may have been a little self-confident in his own ideas, but we see in today's account that um, he had regret. He made great promises, but when the pressure was on, he cracked and he failed. The most important lesson we're going to read today is, is really not about Peter's regret. It's about Jesus' response. And so that's where we're going to go today. 
We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 26. So we're going to look at actually three different gospel accounts today as we put together the story in our text today. So we're going to be in Matthew 26, Luke 22, and John 21. Uh, it's going to be a lot of slides coming up. Uh, everything's quoted out of NIV, but we're going to jump in and, and kind of add some commentary as we go through. So beginning in Matthew 26 today, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So just where we are in the ministry of Jesus, this is right before his crucifixion, before he is handed over to the authorities. So verse 32, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. We often miss that last little sentence. We often focus on Peter, but really all the disciples were in agreement. They were going to go with Jesus to the end. And so we see here in this passage that great regret can sometimes be because of great expectations. The more intense our hopes or our dreams or our expectations, the greater our regret when we don't see them fulfilled. And so from this text, we can see that Peter had some really high expectations of what was coming. And regret can frequently come from a misunderstanding or misplaced self-confidence that we see arise in the Apostle Peter here. Looking at the Gospels and how the men are reacting to what Jesus is telling them, we believe that they still might not have understood what was ahead of Jesus. They were thinking of a, a military-type revolt where they were going to overthrow the harsh Roman rule that was over them. They weren't quite understanding about a bleeding, suffering, and dying Messiah. So they thought they were about to be military conquerors, but they were misunderstanding so between robust self-confidence and a bit of misunderstanding, Peter had a recipe for great regret before him. The Lord knew Peter better than he did. You may be familiar with the rest of the story for Peter of what happens next, but right here in these moments is where we see the birth of his great regret. We see how it happens, what it looks like, even the pain that it can cost. But most importantly, we see the Lord's response to it. And that's where we want to land today. Would you turn with me today into Luke 22? So Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 54. Scripture says, Then seizing him, so this is uh, the night that Jesus is arrested. The authorities have come out, and they're seizing Jesus and to lead him away. It says, so Luke 22, verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another person asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. 
freeze time right there for just a minute. What was that look? What was that look of Jesus to Peter? Can't you feel that this morning? Can't you feel that? Does that resonate with you this morning? The times in your life when you felt that punched in the gut, stomach in knots feeling. It's a signature of regret, right? It's the beginning. It's the moment of reckoning, of, of realizing you wish, you desire that things had gone differently. You realize that this is not good. Are you dealing with that feeling this morning? What regrets are tying your stomach in knots today? Is it something glaring at you just like Jesus glared at Peter? The regret that we see in our text is one of denial, but regret can look like so many different things. In this series, we're going to look at two more regrets in the consecutive weeks. One, having not loved, and the second, having not given. But there are many, many things that regret can be born from. Things we said, things we didn't say, things we did, things we didn't do. Things we started and never finished. People we hurt along the way intentionally or unintentionally. For Peter, all the misunderstanding, the misplaced self-confidence in himself comes unraveled right here in this very moment. And regret settles in in an instant. Picking back up in our text, Luke twenty-two sixty-one says, Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Verse 62, and he went outside and wept bitterly. If we're honest, can't we resonate with that response of Peter? Don't you just want to get away from it all with you when your stomach's in knots and just hide and weep? Doesn't this weird sense also follow that, that we might deserve it? That sometimes as we're watching regret birth right before us, like we deserve what's coming to us, like we deserve to be punished, or like we're going to be disqualified from ever being in God's favor again. These are all very real feelings that the Apostle Peter would have been dealing with. In those long days before the resurrection, how dark was it? Because you've got to remember, Jesus would go on to be crucified and, and he would be there for almost the remainder of the afternoon and a day. Then he would spend three days in the tomb before the resurrection. Three days in miserable, gut-wrenching regret. How dark was it? Did he consider committing suicide? We know that that was the fate of Judas who betrayed Jesus to the authorities. That Judas faced great regret and, and didn't know what to do with it and he ultimately took his own life. But today as we see the story unfold, we'll see a key difference between how Peter and Judas dealt with their regret. What was Jesus' response? This series that we're embarking on is about living a life that will minimize future regrets, but we have to first come to terms with the ones we have right now. What do we do with them? More importantly, what does Jesus desire to do with our regrets today? Would you turn with me in your text to John chapter 21? 
John chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. It says, afterward, so Jesus has been crucified. He's been in the ground three days and resurrected to new life. Resurrection power has been displayed, and so he is meeting again his disciples. He says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas... Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. What else could he do, right? When you're in that tight spot, when your stomach's in knots and you're not sure what to do, you always just go to what's comfortable. I can resonate with this going fishing idea, so no stones thrown from me. But what else do we do? So the other disciples said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. That also resonates a lot with me, catching nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. When the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Right here in this moment, we see that Peter has gone from denying to pursuing Jesus. What a picture of what we should do with our regrets today in running, swimming, however we have to get to Jesus, but bring the whole mess and bring it to Christ. What happened in Peter's heart between that denial and this pursuit? What had taken shape? What feelings had he processed through? What lies had he heard from the enemy in that time? I think the Apostle Paul helps us to understand a little bit about what was happening in Peter's heart. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 12, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. We see that in Peter, abandoning all and jumping in the water in pursuit of Jesus. Godly sorrow brings repentance and leaves no regret. But we recognize that that sorrow that leads to death, don't we? You know that during those days that when it seemed like it was over for Peter that the enemy was whispering in his ear. Regret is a wide open door for the onslaught attack of the enemy. Can you imagine what he heard in his mind in those couple days? It's over for you, Peter. You denied Jesus. Now he's dead. It's done. You have failed. You'll never be anywhere. You can't go to Jesus. Who are you going to pray to? You denied him. Because when regret is birthed, shame comes in and it's trying to isolate us. 
It's trying to pull us apart. It's trying to get us away from the flock. It's trying to put us in that dark corner and keep us away from the one who can restore our souls. Jesus is going to make a fool out of you before your friends, Peter. You can't go to him. Worldly sorrow brings death. All those lies the enemy was heaping on his shame, the guilt and grief. It was trying to isolate Peter, and it's the same thing that he does to us. It's what he always does, is to isolate us from Christ and from one another. But the Holy Spirit works godly sorrow, leading to repentance and about face, and that leads to life. I believe it was the Spirit's working, his leading in those days of darkness for the Apostle Peter that made all the difference in his story. Because Peter had decided that whatever it costs, whatever may happen before his friends, that he would not fail to pursue Jesus. That's the difference between Judas and Peter in our story. Judas didn't turn back, he turned away. And it cost him everything. Picking back up in our text today in John 21, beginning in verse 8. says, the other disciples, so Peter has jumped in, he's gone swimming. He won't even wait for the boat to get to shore. He is going after Jesus. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards, so a football field. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it. Jesus didn't even need them to bring their fish. The coals were there with fish on it and some bread. Do you remember last week when we were looking at Psalm 23 and David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus right here is preparing a feast before his friends that had abandoned him. So in the face of the enemy of grief and sorrow and regret, Jesus prepares a meal before them and says, come and dine. What an invitation. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. No rebuke, no lecture, no scolding, only an invitation to come. Sharing a meal in this culture was a sign of relationship, of friendship, of devotion, of reconciliation. Everything these boys needed in that moment. Jesus says, come, dine, eat with me. Back in our text, it says, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The next heading in your Bible might read something like, Jesus reinstates Peter. And what you'll find as you continue through the account here is that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times, and Peter says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Peter is recommissioned, reinstated. What a profound truth today, friends. If you're dealing with regret, it's so gracious. It's such an extension of God's love to know that it's this deep regret to think that we are not disqualified. 
We are not too far broken. We're not too far gone. All of Peter's regrets, his failures, his misunderstanding, even his self-confidence in the wrong thing did not prevent him from being restored and renewed in the presence of Jesus. The final story in the final gospel account is one of redemption from regret and a restored future in God's redemption narrative. That's good news today, friends. Peter would go on to be a pillar of the church and used mightily by God. And as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, we know that post-Pentecost, immediately after the Holy Spirit had come, is that Peter's filled with the Spirit and he goes and proclaims the good news of Jesus and 3,000 people come to know Christ in that moment. It starts because he was reinstated. He repented. He brought his regrets to the feet of Jesus. This begs a question today, friends. What will you do? What will I do with my regret? We see an invitation today from the Lord to come. To come. God extends an invitation to you right now to get out of reverse, to put life back in forwards. Bring your regrets to Him. I want to look at one verse that we've already covered, and that's John chapter 21, verse 1. And it, it reads quite simply, it said, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. As I was studying this text this week and preparing, one word in this verse jumped out at me, and that was the word again. Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. This fishing scene was not the first time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples. We know that Jesus appeared in the upper room and he appeared to Mary and others in the garden. So we know that Jesus had been seen by Peter, but he appears again. It doesn't seem like it was until this moment that this encounter where Peter faced his regrets. We know that Jesus would have forgiven him the moment he seen him had he asked. But Peter had to process through that. He had to respond to the leading and the pulling and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Do you need to respond to that leading and guiding this morning? What's so, so beautiful in this text is that it wasn't until he faced his regrets and repentance, faced his mistakes, just owned up to it right before Jesus, that his future was restored. The regret that Peter was holding on to, that crushing burden, that weight that he would have seen, it could have prevented him from ever living out God's plan for his life again. It could have ended for Peter just like it did for Judas. But Peter, by the leading and the grace and the mercy of the Holy Spirit, he finally got to the place where he put his faith in the nature and character of Jesus. He put his faith in Jesus ahead of his regret. And he was restored. This poses us with another question today, friends. Is the regret that you're holding on to that's running you down today, that's tying your stomach in knots, is that regret preventing you from living the life that God is calling you to live? Is regret preventing you from being the son or the daughter that God is calling you to be? Maybe regret is preventing your marriage from finding its fullest fulfillment in Christ. 
is regret keeping you from intimacy with Christ himself? It's kind of a unique thing to think about, but who's on the other side of your obedience today? Who's on the other side of you being redeemed and restored in Christ? We see for Peter that his life was poured out as an offering before the Lord after he was redeemed and restored. Who needs to see you live a life free of regret today? full of the grace and the mercy that we can testify how good God is, that there's no regret that can contain us, no regret that will restrain us from being restored and renewed in God's image. As the band comes today, will you bring your regrets before the Lord? The point of this message is not to conjure up things that you've already dealt with or to make up something, but it's an invitation for those who know exactly what regret's about today. Will you bring those regrets to the Lord today? There's nothing in your past, there's nothing you're holding on to that he's going to shy away from. That leading and moving of the Holy Spirit, that godly sorrow leads to repentance, to turn around from that life, to leave that life behind, get it out of reverse, and we can finally be restored and be forward-facing in life in Christ obedient, redeemed, freed, to have that clean slate. Scripture says to have a pure heart with clean hands. Will you bring your regrets to the Lord today? His invitation is to come, dine. He has prepared a table of his grace and his mercy and his provision before you today. Will you receive it? As a response today and in celebration of Pentecost Sunday, we're going to receive communion. As the band plays our worship song, we're, I invite you to stand and we can worship and pray and respond. The communion elements are available in the back. And we know that in communion on the night that which Jesus was betrayed, uh, which our story comes from, that Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and gave it to his disciples and says, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many and the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Friends, there's communion set before us today. If you're wrestling with regret this morning, if you need that freedom, that repentance to find new life today, there is a symbolic way we can respond in receiving the elements of communion today. That very night that communion was instituted, it was a meal it was an invitation. You don't have to be a member of the church here to receive communion. We just ask that you be desiring right relationship with the Lord. That's the only prequalification. Be desiring fellowship. Be desiring intimacy with Christ as you receive the bread and the cup. So would you stand with me today as we pray, Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you prepare a table before us in the presence of the enemy of regret. God, in the presence of the enemy of our soul, Lord, you prepare us a table of grace and mercy and invite us to come and dine. 
So Lord, today as, as we receive the elements in the back at our own pace and our own reflection point before you, Lord God, search our hearts today. We come seeking you, Lord. We come seeking new life. Father, we want to leave our regrets behind and live renewed and restored in your redemption narrative. God, we receive you today. And in faith, we know that you receive us as we repent, as we turn to you in faith, that you welcome us with open arms. So today, we're swimming, we're running, we're going with reckless abandon to your feet today. Because we have nowhere else to go. We love you today, Lord. And it is you that we seek, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.